go. Basketball fans everywhere, appreciate you for joining me back now for episode, what I believe now is 67 of Tate's Take. You know we like to call this the best, the most entertaining, the most educational, and the most informational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. Remember, you can subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Remember, tell Everybody, tell your friends, tell your your enemies, your mama, your grandmama, tell your baby mama, everybody to where to go to subscribe anywhere you find your favorite podcast. And as always, per usual, to follow along on all social media platforms at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S, hashtag, as you know by now, I'm sure you're tired of hearing it that that is where basketball lives. And without further ado, I told you guys, I teased it a little bit before that I have a special guest that's going to be joining me. So what better time than right now than the present to bring on my guest? That would be none other than Lynn Elmore, college basketball analyst, announcer, All-American. Um, welcome, to the, welcome to the show, Lynn. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. It's a uh, pleasure to have you here uh, on the um, on the program as well. And I want to open things up with this, if you don't mind. This is this is the big one. This, you you went here. You were an All-American, obviously an outstanding player. And so I want to touch on this game first, at least just at least briefly. Uh, number 10 seeded Maryland against number seven seeded UConn. That's going to take place on tomorrow, less than 24 hours away. That's Eastern Standard Time, of course, on CBS in West Lafayette, Indiana at Mackey Arena. What would you consider maybe to be some of the uh, keys to this particular game between Maryland and, and Connecticut in the first round of the NCAA tournament? Well, you know, I think it won its size. Maryland is uh, still kind of undersized. They don't really have a prominent player in the post, not only offensively, but to protect the rim. And, you know, Connecticut led by uh, James Booknight, you know, they're slashers. They get to the rim quickly. And, and so, you know, Maryland's got to do a job of, of protecting the paint, um, you know, bodying up on, on ball handlers and keeping from turning the corner. Flip side, though, is that, uh, you know, UConn's going to have to spread their defense. Maryland likes to spread offensively. They got some bigs like Dante Scott and, and, and um, and others who can shoot to three. And that puts a lot of pressure on their bigs. And of course, we know Eric Ayala is a consistent offensive player, their leading scorer. But the X factor to me is Aaron Wiggins, who, you know, when he's assertive, when he plays that alpha dog role and doesn't defer to anybody, he can take over games. So, uh, you know, I expect it to be a close game. You know, Danny Hurley has always been a favorite of mine. And not only because he's a good coach, because he's so animated. And, you know, Mark Turgeon recognizes that uh, this year, as opposed to last year, when they had, you know, a, a pretty stacked team, um, you know, but uh, this year they're obviously undersized, considered a, a, an underdog. You know, he's kind of playing with house money. So obviously he can uh, he can coach a little bit looser. So it, it's going to be a close game. I think he picked a, a pretty good one to start with. Yeah, and I'll say this much uh, for the viewers and even for you, Lynn, please forgive. I think there's a typo there saying on Thursday uh, where that game is actually not going to be on Thursday. Nonetheless, um, 
you know, it's I want to see what you make of this, because obviously everybody knows in terms of specifically being Maryland, uh, having one of those teams this year and the type of season that they're having dynamic defensive. I mean, they really hunker down and defensive anchor. They hang their hats on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and then uh, even more so for a team like UConn, Book Knight seems to be the guy. That's who everybody keeps talking about. Uh, a dynamic scorer, obviously, and uh, very explosive as well. Um, do you consider in the event that uh, Maryland has a hard time scoring the basketball but can certainly defend as good of a job as they do, uh, how much emphasis do you think should or it will be put on Maryland to put the ball in the basket to come away with a victory in this game? Well, always. I mean, you know, that's that's still going to be the name of the game. I mean, your consistent defense is about when your offense escapes you from time to time during the course of a game, but you still got to put the ball in the basket. And, um, you know, Maryland has had difficulty, although some of it is because of tempo control, because, again, they don't have the size to go up and down the floor and rebound with teams. Uh, and so, you know, they will try and control tempo and, you know, look to be an efficient offensive team, not necessarily a, a high-scoring offensive team. But, but definitely your defense has to be consistent. Yeah, talking about UConn being one of those teams that I've heard, maybe not a ton of people, but certainly more than one person uh, mentioned that that can be a sneaky uh, team that can potentially make a run maybe to the Final Four that nobody's really talking about, certainly maybe even the Sweet 16 and so forth. That's obviously going to be a, uh, a, a game that will be played in the East region. Uh, particularly now uh, one more question for you in terms of Maryland and uh, I have to be the guy that just has to ask it I guess uh, but since you are a, a, an alum of uh, the University of Maryland I have to ask it what do you make exactly out of and I'm sure it's really old news by this point what, what exactly do you make of I guess you can call it a dust up between Mark Turgeon and uh, Jawan Howard that took place earlier in the week um, you know, I, I got a feeling there's some history there. Uh, I, I think that, you know, both of them gave their stories as kind of subjective justification of why they got mad at each other and started talking smack. But, you know, in the end, it's two coaches that, uh, you know, were, were you know, kind of jacked up on testosterone and or testosterone, I should say, and, um, you know, really wanted to, you know, do something to fire up their teams. And, um, you know, it just got out of hand. I, I do think Turgeon shouldn't have pointed his finger and, and started walking towards Juwan because Juwan said that kind of set off the Chicago in him. But by the same token, Juwan knows better. And, you know, he's the kind of guy that is usually poised uh, under control. But as I said, the, uh, the game itself and the fact that everybody was so jacked up for it, it kind of let the and that their best to get away from them. Uh, and they both were sorry. They both apologized to their teams because they know they're role models for the players and the players model after them. I don't suspect anything like that happens again, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, in the heat of battle, that, that's what, that's what occurred. And they both were wrong. Yeah, they are actually in the same region. Michigan Wolverines being the number one seed, who knows, couldn't be meeting up again. Uh, uh, what for? I think maybe the fourth time that time around in the event that that happens, 
Um, and that, if in the event that that happens, that would be take, something that would take place, I believe, in the Elite Eight in yeah. the event that we get to that point. Um, Lynn Elmore joining us, college basketball analyst, announcer, and All-American, uh, an attorney, I believe, if I'm not mistaken as well. Yeah, um, I got my uh, law degree in 1987, uh, three years after I retired uh, from the league and started practicing law in that same year. Uh, I went back to my hometown, Brooklyn, New York, uh, joined a district attorney's office uh, after recognizing you know, as a, as a public defender in Boston and as a third year student that I could have more positive impact on the community by, um, you know, assuming that role. And, you know, I, I tried misdemeanors and felonies uh, for several years. And then my last year and a half, I spent uh, prosecuting uh, police misconduct. So, you know, I've had a, a range of experience, you know, as a lawyer, and then I went into private practice. Also used the uh, you know, what I learned and use the, the method of thinking that law school uh, helps you with and, and use that as a businessman, having uh, led several small companies, including a company that was a joint venture of the NBA and the NCAA called iHoops, which uh, was looking to transform youth basketball. Uh, unfortunately, you know, that was the baby of Miles Brand, who uh, ultimately passed away. The N NBA didn't seem really interested in the absolute mission of it, and it kind of fell apart. Well, I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that part as well as an attorney, uh, regardless of when it was at that time. Uh, I want to make sure I give you a congratulations on that. That's something that's obviously Thanks. always something that is a, uh, a very big deal, especially times of need and such of, of the days that we're living in right now. I want to kind of keep it moving and going forward. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you, are, are you filling out a bracket? Do you fill out a bracket, Lynn? Of course. Okay. Who, I don't always far? show it to people, but, <laughs> but I have one. I want to ask you this before we get into the meat. Ah, there it is. There's the answer key. We're going to call that the answer key. <laughs> uh, before we get into the meat and potatoes, or I guess the nuts and bolts of that, um, how far do you got Maryland going on your bracket? Just curious. Um, I got them beating Connecticut, uh, but they just can't get past Alabama. Okay. Okay. I had to get that one. I'm a realist. Okay. <laughs> I respect that. I respect that. Now, I, now this, this is another one I have for you. Are you a one bracket guy or are you a multiple bracket guy? When I start filling it out, I can't stop. So I'm all the way to the final game. I haven't picked the winner of the finals, although I suspect – uh, who I'm going to go with. So, um, no, I, and, and I only do one bracket. I, I don't fill multiple ones. And in fact, you know, I try to be the honorable bracketologist that uh, when I finish my bracket, I take a picture of it. So it's time stamped. And uh, everybody knows that I filled it out before the game started. I was going to say that's very important because I see some of those people still trying to fill out their brackets in pencil. And I'm like, nah, <laughs> we're not we not doing that. We're not, we not breaking out the mechanical pencils where you're doing this all day long. Uh, I want to ask you this question, play a little bit of fill in the blank with you here. And, I, and I'll read it twice just to give you a little bit of time in case you need to think about it. Nobody's talking nearly enough about blank. It would be a surprise to everyone else, but not to me if they made a run to the final four 
or the national championship. And I'll read it one more time. Nobody's talking nearly enough about this team. It would probably surprise everyone else, but it would not surprise Lynn Elmore if they made a run to the final four or won a national championship. Who would that one team be? Um, you know, it's hard to pin it down to one team. I, I've got like three teams that I could probably say. Feel free. You can um, pick three. I think Alabama. I think Ohio State. And I think Houston. You know, those are three teams that, you know, have tremendous offenses, uh, particularly Houston and Alabama. Ohio State is a solid team, a veteran team. Um, you know, they don't always score, but they're capable of scoring a lot of points, but but they play solid defense. And I like, you know, having watched them during the Big Ten tournament, you know, I like the fact that they've played in close game situations. They know how to come back, but they also know how to, how to keep a lead, even if they blow it after a period of time. So, you know, and those are all things that are going to happen at some point or another during the course of, of this tournament. But Alabama and Houston can be explosive. So, you know, I've, I've kind of picked those two teams, and uh, we'll see where it goes as far as answering that particular fill-in-the-blank. Alabama, Houston, Ohio State, all three, ironically or coincidentally enough, number two seeds in the NCAA tournament as well. And um, I really like that Houston one. I got that one on my bracket as well. I want to move forward to um, – we like to call this – chalkboard question of the day uh in in which i i was gonna go with the new school dry erase stuff but people make fun of me i still tuck in my sweatshirts and every or t-shirts and everything so i'm gonna go old school and i'm gonna do chalkboard so we're gonna use chalkboard question of the day in one typically it would be in one word but uh let's take in one word out let's just say which cinderella team or teams do you think are poised for uh, 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 to to make it out of the first round, uh, maybe get to the Sweet 16, perhaps, and maybe make a run at uh, at getting a win or two underneath their belt? Ooh, um, right not now, not Georgetown, not Georgetown, though. No, Georgetown, no, I, I, I'm I'm thinking no, more low major, mid major. <laughs> no, I'm not saying Georgetown. I got Drake. Okay, I'm looking. I'm looking at my uh, bracket right now and. I have Drake, uh, which has got to go into playing game. They got to beat Wichita State. I say playing, but it's called the first four, and I should know better. But nevertheless, uh, you know, if they get by Wichita State, you know, I think they have a good chance. Um, I got them beating Kansas, uh, getting to the um, getting to the Sweet Sixteen. And that's going to be a game that will be actually played in the next twenty-four hours or so. Uh, taking place in the first four. And I'm glad that you said that because every time I say play-in game uh, where my former employer was uh, uh, at a CBS radio affiliate would always say, Deshaun, I know we're giving you your first couple cracks on the air, but one thing you can't do, you got to get out of the habit of saying play-in. It's first four. So it instantly took me back when you said first four, I should know better and so forth or whatever. Uh, Let me ask you this one. Let's keep moving here. Um, I hear a lot of talks 
about all these positive things, all these optimistic things. I get it. They're unbeaten. They're undefeated and so forth. Talking about the Gonzaga Bulldogs, who have the number one overall seed uh, in the NCAA tournament. But I don't hear nearly enough about some of the weaknesses and or concerns for Gonzaga. Do you see any that sticks out there? Because I know not too long ago, sometime last week, uh, they were down at the half to BYU uh, until they stormed back in the second half. What says you? Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, maybe uh, some jitters, recognizing they're entering this uh, this tournament undefeated. Uh, I, I would hope that uh, Mark Few would show them that uh, uh, UMBC Virginia tape uh, to get them motivated, you know, and, and to recognize that teams, you can get down during the course of a game and you can't panic. Uh, and I think that's what happened to Virginia. And if Virginia wasn't constructed to come back, uh, they're a terrific defensive team, but they didn't really have outstanding offensive teams. So they didn't have guys that they could rely on to put points on the board. Gonzaga yeah. has that. They've got that and they've got more. Uh, so, you know, that that is one thing I think that they might be concerned with. And, you know, the other could just be the law of averages where they play one of these games and it's just not their day. Uh, other than that, though, they're, to me, they're the strongest team in the field. They have depth, um, you know, and they have quality coaching. They have experience. And, um, you know, quite honestly, their first five, their starting five is as good as any starting five in America. That makes for a very good point. And I want to move across the board here now to talking about something that happened over the course of the last couple of days where we will have March, I guess, without Arch. Archie Miller uh, is out now uh, as the head coach of Indiana and had an opportunity to bring Dan Dockich on last week, picked his brain a little bit. Jay Billis came on, I picked his brain a little bit. Now it's Lynn Elmore's turn. Um, Let me ask you, who do you feel like should, could be amongst the names on the list of the most ideal head coaching candidates uh, to maybe fill that void at IU at such a prestigious uh, and traditional historical basketball program? Well, I could say that um, from what I recall, and I'm not, I, I could be wrong, but the last time they went to the Final Four, Mike Davis was coaching them. I don't know if Mike could get a chance to come back. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I mean, look, there, there's so many quality coaches out there. They say they're trying to get Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens doesn't want any part of it. And I can understand that coaching in the NBA not only is more lucrative, um, but less headaches. You don't have to go out. You don't have to get on a recruiting trail. You know, you're you're dealing, you're supposed to be dealing with adults, although that, that's questionable sometimes in the NBA. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, they talk about Rick Pitino. And, and Rick, who, you know, I've known Rick since, he was an assistant coach with the Knicks when I played. You know, Rick Pitino says he doesn't want the job. And to me, that usually says that he does. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, I think that the, the athletic department uh, in making a decision, if they want to stay in house, they want to stay with somebody who can regain the culture of, uh, of, of Hoosier basketball. Uh, you know, you go to Indiana and I played for the Pacers for five years and, you know, they'll pretty much tell you they invented basketball. So, you know, they are of of the mindset that, you know, they're supposed to be on top year after year after year. Now, they should recognize it's going to take a while. And if they uh, come to grips with the fact that, you know, it takes a while to build culture, 
Um, why not uh, give one of their own an opportunity? And I'm talking about Calvert Chaney. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that the name Calvert Chaney has came up. Um, and I, and this is just me proposing the question just to random people and what they thought. I'm not sure uh, exactly um, uh, if Steve Alford may be, you know, potentially interested or uh, maybe even throwing a name out there like Chris Beard, perhaps from Texas Tech, who's got some roots uh, over there at IU as well. My last one here is we're going to talk a little bit. Well, let, me, let me just say real quick, sure. Deshaun, a sure. lot of those are, are the usual suspects. Yes. And, yeah. You know, we recognize that they have a chance. I, I do believe, though, when you look at the Big Ten, um, you know, I, I do. They've got one now. They just hired a, a coach of color at Penn State. You know, I, I think that you've got to give some consideration uh, from that standpoint. And Calpachani being a Hoosier, uh, you know, tried and true, you know, and know that you have time to build a program. Why not? No, that makes perfect sense. And I'm not sure exactly where uh, Calbert Chaney has been just because as much of a basketball hoop head as I am, I was even kind of surprised by it myself, but just kind of curious as to know, well, what has he done lately in terms of coaching? Not saying he has to have had uh, any of that experience as of later major level experience per se, uh, but certainly it would be a great thing for it to at least be considered for the job, considering the fact that I think he's what, uh, is, is he the, is he the all-time Big Ten leader in, in, in scoring, I think? Um, he, I, he might be. I, no, in the Big Ten, he could be. I, I'm not positive of that. But, you know, Calvary was uh, he, he's an assistant that, uh, with the Pacers, I believe. So, you know, he's right there 40 minutes from the campus. Look at the success uh, Michigan has had with Juwan Howard, uh, a former assistant uh, who is now coaching his alma mater. You know, that, that can be replicated. Why not give it a chance? No, I, I totally agree with you. The last one I have for you here before we conclude, because I don't want to take up too much of your time. It says here from the barn to the pit. And obviously we're talking about head coaches. You mentioned Rick Patino, his son and Richard Patino, uh, going in, I guess, less. And I, I guess I would definitely get your thoughts on it. Going from a job in, 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 in which the uh, um, dismissed from Minnesota as the head coach in less than 24 hours, now getting the job at, uh, at New Mexico, where they play at the pit. Just what is your overall take on that particular hire? Maybe how he fits in or how that whole thing came about in terms of just that quick turnaround of a hire for somebody like a Richard Patino, because everyone's going to be so quick to say, oh, well, the name that comes behind it and so forth. Well, should we kind of expect for maybe Archie Miller to get a job in the next 24 to 48 hours? Maybe I'm not going to go that far, but just kind of want to get your overall thoughts. I, Richard Pitino is an excellent coach. I mean, he's had good teams at Minnesota. No, they haven't gotten over the hump. They've had some issues. Um, I think when he had, I think it was last year, the year before, when he had a quality team, um, he had his uh, leading rebounder and one of his leading scorers winds up getting suspended uh, and, and no longer able to play. Obviously, this year with COVID, they start out tremendous, but you know, then they lose uh, their big man in the middle, Robbins. Um, mm -hmm. They lose one of their best defenders and, and a terrific three-point shooter in Kalsher. Uh and, and, you know, they finish the season on, on a downstroke, so to speak. Uh, still, or competitive, uh, almost won their first game coming back uh, to win, uh, almost to win in, in the first game of the, uh, of the Big Ten tournament. So, you know, it, to me, I, I think that 
you know, the teams had enough time. The Minnesota, they wanted to go in a different direction. But his teams won games. Uh, he has demonstrated that he can coach and has been a quality coach. And, yeah, he got out before, you know, he was pushed out, essentially. And, and you know, he's got a good agent. That helps a lot. So I, I think you can start you can start a new program, you know, start fresh in a place like New Mexico and, you know, roll the dice there. You know, that, that's kind of part of the revolving door and not to take anything away from from, from Richard Patino's capabilities, because, as I said, from the outset, he's a terrific coach. However, you know, some guys get those opportunities and, you know, to jump from one place to another, you know, even though you're seemingly on your way out uh, and others don't. And, you know, that's that's the way we are today in uh, in coaching hires, particularly in college sports. 60 seconds real quick, Lynn. Uh, what's on the menu at the Elmore household when it comes to the bracket first day? You know, this thing's going to be exciting. Everybody's talking about March Madness. You're sitting back. What's on the menu? What's Lynn Elmore consuming when it comes to March Madness and watching some of these games? Well, based on the timing of the games, you know, some of them are going to be played in the afternoon and stuff. It'll start out with uh, with a green juice with, uh, you know, blueberries and some papaya and some other stuff like that. Um, and, you know, then it'll ultimately kind of descend towards maybe wings, uh, you know, who knows what else, ribs, uh, you know, a, a sub sandwich, subway sandwich. I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see how I feel. I'm at the age now where I just can't be eating anything. You know, yeah, I try to yeah. stay in pretty good shape. So, um, you know, it'll be relatively healthy. But sometimes, like I said, it'll, it can get decadent. Uh, you know, it all depends if my wife is watching or not. <laughs> I got you. I got you. That's the key. Look at that smart man right there. Uh, real quick before we get up out of here, because we're right up against it for sure. I got to make sure I sh- send a shout out to one of my buddies, man. Great guy. Kind of helped put us together. Todd Corder saying, I love his I, I love his answer on Mike Davis and I love his answer on Rick Patino. That was awesome. So I want to give some credit to to Todd TC because he definitely helped and assisted me with putting this whole thing together. And so while he may love so much of your answers, I hope you don't think you love him more than I do, Lynn, because <laughs> I love that dude. That's a great, that's a great guy right there. I can say as much as I can about you as well. Lynn Elmore, college basketball analyst, announcer, and all American. Remember to give him a follow on social media, particularly on Twitter at Lynn Elmore. That is at L E N. E-L-M-O-R-E, one of the greats that's ever played this game and certainly as well behind that uh, behind that microphone with the headsets on and love listening to you calling games. It's a pleasure and an honor to be able to bring you on this platform and on this program. Yeah, the pleasure was mine, man. Thank you very much. Uh, good luck with this show. Uh, obviously, uh, you deserve to have the viewers. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And you enjoy uh, the rest of your day and enjoy the tournament. All right, we'll do. Sounds good. That there just happens to be our and of course we thank him for coming on and and joining us, uh, joining the show. And as we get ready to somewhat abruptly uh, end the show, as we are getting ready to uh, maneuver on to doing some some different things for the rest of the day. I think we got somebody else lined up today. Let's go through the Rolodex right now, just so I can give you guys at least a little bit of a feel. Uh, for who's coming up later on today. Because I know we got somebody else. Who we got? 
and see 6 30 okay so we're on eastern standard time by the way 6 30 p eastern standard time ken segura ken segura the uh beat reporter and writer for the atlanta journal constitution for georgia tech men's basketball we're going to pick his brain a little bit on the jackets talk a little bit about the uh covid testing that the news that broke on just yesterday they've got a eight nine seed matchup uh i believe in the midwest uh, with uh, Loyola Chicago that I would imagine would be kind of tough. Sister Jean's in town as well. So we're going to talk about that, break that down. The winner likely to go on, I say likely to go on and play Illinois in the second round. So it should be every bit of interesting. Appreciate everybody for joining. Remember to subscribe anywhere you find your favorite podcast. It's called Tate's Take. Don't save it for the local barbershops. Don't save it for the local sports bars. Uh, also be sure to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to your friends, to your enemies, to your mama, to your grandmama, to your baby mama, tell everybody where they can find the best, the most entertaining, the most educational, and the most informational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. It's called Tate's Take, and it's where basketball lives. Follow along on Twitter at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S, where basketball lives. Give me about 30 good minutes, and we're going to be bringing in Ken Segura from Georgia Tech. I promise you it's going to help you a ton with your bracket when it comes to that matchup. See you guys in 30.